0: On this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm talking to Renee Harris, a wife, a mother of nine children, a homeschooler, and an owner of an e-commerce site where she sells her own handmade hard lotion bars. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is the show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us. Renee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Vicky. It's fun to be here. It's so good to have you. So Renee, can you please tell us your story from the very beginning? Um, How are you already running a business, a handmade business, selling on an e-commerce site? And can you go way back when your husband was being laid off from Mm -hmm. HP? I really want uh, our friends to hear the whole story.
1: Yeah, I'll go even a little bit before that because I wasn't, I didn't start, we did not start this as a um, business after he got laid off. That was, that was something a year before he was laid off. Actually, I think it was two years before he was laid off. Um, we, because we homeschool our kids and at the time, oh, let's see, how many kids did we have at the time? Um, I want to say six kids at the time. And um, I just wanted to have our older boys get involved in something that could be kind of a fun thing to do that would be a little bit business-like, entrepreneurial. But I had no experience, no idea what that would be. And I was driving down the street one day and noticed that they're gonna start a farmer's market in our little town. And Vicki has actually, since we've met on Instagram, Vicky has come to see where we live. So we are in a total, we're way up in Northern California, kind of close to Oregon. And very small community, you know, a few couple thousand people in our town. So having a a farmer's market here is not like a huge deal as far as, you know, I don't have competition, but I didn't have a product. I didn't know what I would sell. I just thought, oh, it'd be fun to do something at the farmer's market. And I at the time I was doing a lot of bread baking for a family because it was a big Money saver, and I thought I could bake bread and sell at the farmers market with my boys. That just in my mind thought that that would be so cool, you know. <laughs> then I I ran into problem after problem with having to get approved, and it's not easy to sell food. It's totally not easy. And um, I thought, okay, I can rent a kitchen. Then I thought, then I decided, no, that's not a good way to go because that means. I'm over there doing the kitchen and the baking, and I'm not at home. I wanted something I can do from home. So, um, at, and a few months before that, I had started to make a product um, for my own skin that was helping my skin, because I had all these issues with cracks and bleeding, just from washing mm-hmm. your hands, changing diapers all the time, when mm-hmm. you make bread by hand, I mean, I was using a, a Bosch mixer, but you're still, it's just like the salt saturates all the water out of your hands, and it's just just cuts and stuff like that on my fingers were up constant. So um, a few months before this farmer's market thing came up, I started making this hard lotion bar and I found a recipe and some form, soap form online and it was so easy to make. And so I was just making that and it really it made a huge difference in my skin in just a matter of days. So anyway, fast forward to the farmer's market. My bread ideas kept not working out because it was just too hard to try to figure out how to sell that. Mm. but. I thought, well, I could try this lotion thing, but how am I going to explain that to people? Because people are used to pump lotions and why would they want it? And, you know, so I thought, well, let's just try it anyway. If we can figure out how to do the packaging and make it look nice and look professional, then we maybe we can sell it. So um, we ended up doing that for the first summer and it actually it, I see it as my R&D it was just that whole research and development for a few months it's not like we made tons of money but we would make enough money to put it back into our little business my boys who were 8 and 10 at the time would get up early with me and and we would go and set up and i loved the interaction i just loved talking to people and i'm really horrible at trying to sell people stuff in person. <laughs> but I thought this is my chance. I got to get out of my introverted self and be out there. And if I can actually sell something or just interact with people, find the right person that. That would need my product then Mm -hmm. maybe i can actually be pretty good at this you know so i just loved meeting all the people they would come back the next week and then i was pumped because people would say hey your product really helped i brought my sister so she can try it out and then this would kind of you know week after week the right people who it worked for would come back and it was so exciting like wow maybe i have something here and um it was just i totally enjoyed that interaction And then after a few months of that, we took it to another farmer's market and that was way much, much bigger. It was harder to get into. And we did that for several months and actually not so I'd say four months or so. And after a while it was just too much it was waking up at five in the morning was just on Saturdays, was just too much. I kind of decided I wanna have my time at home back again.
0: Um was it worth it? Was it worth it going out?
1: Oh, yes. In fact, I look back and think, how in the world did we? I was telling my husband, say, we always talk about, like, how did I get up in the morning? But I was so driven that I loved what I was doing and I loved seeing people. And even if it was a really slow day, you interact with all the vendors and you learn things from the other vendors that you can apply. And I learned so much. I definitely, you know, there was another lady who sold the same thing i was selling but she sold that plus soap plus deodorant plus like a million things and i'm mm. like oh she's my competition how can i compete so i learned right away mine hers was kind of a um uh like a not not a spa that's that it's more like a everything you know in, in her station mm. and at mine i thought i have to find one thing that would target people, the right people. And that was to say, this is for dry skin. If you don't have dry skin, you know, go somewhere else, basically. So it's dry chapped lips, dry skin. And so instead of just being a product that would like a lotion can hit anybody, you know, I can Mm -hmm. just say, hey, try my my cool pump lotion. They'll never come back because they can Mm -hmm. buy it at the store.
0: Mm -hmm. But saying
1: this is the best thing for your dry skin and it will fix your your cracks in your fingers Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i got mechanics coming i've got chefs coming i got old men coming and then i learned oh if i have samples out where they can try the samples then it's fun i would give them a sample they would walk away and then all of a sudden they're like turning around and they're coming right back to say, um, can I, can I try, you know, can I ask you some more questions about that? And they end up buying. So it was like things like that, that would really pump me up and get excited about going every Saturday, even though it was early in the morning. And, and then watching my sons interact, was great because they were my, my sample guys. So I said, okay, you guys go out and just pass things out. And, and one son who was very, uh, more gregarious he would go up and this one guy we also said this by the way is a natural product but it's also edible so it's so safe for your skin you can eat it because all the ingredients in it are wow. edible too wow. and not that you want to go out and eat beeswax but it's not going to kill you if you eat it so yeah. uh, the kids would go out and this one grumpy guy goes yeah so he was he told my eight-year-old so you ever. Your mom's lotion before. (laughs) And so he pretty (laughs) much challenged my son to eat it to prove that it's edible. Oh. He did it, my son would do it. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't taste good. So it was fun because my kids learned a lot from that. And that was my biggest thing was, yes, this is totally for me. But if it's something that I can include my kids in or my family somehow, all the better.
0: Exactly. So that was our,
1: that was our farmer's market experience. And I know that's a long story. So to quickly get to the layoff part, then about six months later, we, uh, I was, I was ready to take it online and say, you know what, I had learned some HTML coding stuff way in the past, not, you know, nothing great, but um, I knew a little bit enough to get me in trouble on, on, as far as like mess up my own website, that type of thing. But anyway, back then I could find, I used Squarespace, which is really popular. It's a great way to start. Mm-hmm. So I used Squarespace back then. I could still know enough code to put things where I wanted it to be. And I started the e-commerce site and I thought, oh yes, this is going to be perfect because now people will come to my site. Obviously that does not happen. You can't just put up a site and help people come. Mm-hmm. So I had to know my advertisers. And that's when, when I started to work with um, my first blogger who had an audience, things started to take off. And then I realized all I have to do is find more influencers in the form of bloggers or um, at the time it was bloggers. And I just started one after another. I got wow. my product out there by having them, if they liked it, I would send it to them. They try it out if they liked it and they could introduce it to their audience, then they would do that. And that's when things really got to start, started to take off. And then when we were, um, it was November, I had, this was about a year later, November, I had had my baby, my eighth child. And um, that's when we found out that my husband was getting laid off that year from Hewlett Packard and he was able to work from home. So, you know, it was kind of, not that it was a dream job for him. He was frustrated with it, but still having, being able to have your husband work from home was great, especially for us and having a lot of kids. So um, when he got Laid off, we decided we either have to move closer to somewhere like the Bay Area and compete with everybody Mm -hmm. else that's getting laid off, or if we wanted to stay where we lived, we were going to try and make it happen here. And then that's when we just kind of put all of our energies into the business and we were able to um, get up to what his income was within a couple of years. So it was really, it was really an answer to prayer and a ton of hard, a ton of hard work, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. because we're all involved in it and my husband is totally, um, taking over a lot more of the homeschooling and that's a whole nother story, but that's helped out a lot too. So it's been wonderful for us to be able to, to make this into something that we didn't expect, but it's something that I think we always wanted, but didn't know
0: that we wanted it. That makes any sense. Mm, Very interesting. So, you mentioned one of the ways that you got the word out is by going to those farmers markets, right? Yeah, and then reaching out to bloggers. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Well, what with it's, I think what I was doing was I was as a mom, I was subscribed to different blogs that I enjoyed reading, and this is back, Mm -hmm. you know, this is like seven years ago when a lot of mom bloggers were getting very popular and there weren't as many as there are now, but there were mm-hmm. some huge ones, you know, some just very influential ones. And so I was subscribed to a few of them. And, and, um, one gal who she happened to be writing about eczema that her son or daughter had. I can't remember which one it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, I knew that my son also had some eczema, but it was very seasonal, not like an extreme case. Mm-hmm. And our product worked really well for that. So I thought, well, I should just reach out to her and just let her know that there's something for that. So mm-hmm. I had um, comments. I think I commented on one of her posts or reached out to her and said, you know, what? I have something that might work for that. Can I just send it to you?
0: And wow. like, I appreciate what you do. So
1: let me just send you this. Wow. And she really she really liked it. And then we had started having a conversation about, uh, having her talk about it on her blog. And so um, the way there's a lot of different ways that that would work. Obviously the bloggers work hard and, and they do need to make some compensation for their, their blogs. And so there are different ways. Sometimes you can pay a flat fee and, and they are very upfront about the product that they are talking about. And by um, you pay them and then they do a whole post that's called a sponsor post. So they can mm-hmm. do a sponsor post on their blog related to what their audience would want to hear and the mm-hmm. audience's needs and what your product can do for them. Um, I prefer actually is when, when we work as an, aff- they work as an affiliate, so I have a special code that goes into their blog and then whatever sales come through that link, that's what I pay them at the beginning of the next month. So there's different when that's called affiliate marketing and that's, that's another really good way to advertise your product to bloggers.
0: Very interesting. And the bloggers, what do they choose um, more often? Or do you not give them a choice, the sponsored post or the affiliate?
1: Um, it really depends on the blogger. I've gone both routes and sometimes I will, if they say, no, I really only want to do a flat fee. I'll go that route. And if I realize, mm-hmm. wow, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even make enough to cover the cost mm-hmm. of what I paid them. I just won't go back to them the next time. Um, so I try, it's, it's really, it's a very, it's real, it depends on the blogger, everybody's different. And if they see that, wow, that made a lot of money on the affiliate. So they'll come back and, and they have to also, it's, it's also just a very balancing game for the blogger too, because they, they have to, they have to balance that. They don't want to do a sales pitch to the readers every time they're trying to produce really good content and the readers don't like to be sold to. So they have to give them something that would be, that something they really want to read and useful for them. So it really depends. I mean, I've been, I have just like lost a lot of money if I've done some, cause I've done like a $500 sponsored post with someone that didn't even bring a sale in, you know, that, that, that's really, uh. <laughs> so it just depends. And now once you figure out which ones work really well, you just keep it going with the affiliate marketing.
0: Mm, very interesting. And is that, is that like your primary way to get the word out about your product?
1: That has, that has been, yeah, mm-hmm. that's been a, um, another kind of way that we do that is they they wanna give their readers something. So I, I go to them and say, how about this month, I give them a free product. They do have to pay shipping because I don't want just everybody trying to get the free product and it's not even something they want. So if they have a little bit of skin in the game where the reader has is willing to pay shipping, they get a free product and I can get my product out there. And because ours is kind of a unique product, The the blogger will explain what it's for and how it's used. And then the blogger gets, you know, a lot of appreciation from their readers because Mm -hmm. the readers get something free. They're like, yes, I get something free. And Mm -hmm. they also get the affiliate. So they get paid from that. And then I get a lot of new customers and um, subscribers to my email list. So it's been kind of a two way for me to grow my email list and to get new customers. It's worked out really well that way.
0: Wow. Very interesting. I think that's so smart. So many people don't do that though. Like there are so many handmade moms who have never even thought about the avenue. And so I, I hope that those are who are watching us live, who are listening to us post-production, um, I hope that you will consider going to, to a new avenue. And I think this is really a really great idea uh, to go to where your audience already is. So I have a yeah. question from Nina. If you pay a flat fee, how do you track how many sales come in from that particular blog? And this might be a little get a little techy and feel free to share. Yeah, okay, there's different ways to do that. If
1: you can give them a discount code, so let's say the blogger is is giving their readers like a 15% coupon to your store and then you know from that coupon code that they came from that store. Mine has gotten a lot more beefier. Where, oh, The other way is Google analytics. You can check on, um, with Google analytics, you can see how people are coming to your site, but that's, that's pretty much there's ways to track. Even Mailchimp actually has something that can connect to your e-commerce store depending on which e-commerce store you have. So, um, it, it, there's, there's different, it kind of, you can start really small and, inexpensively, and then you can build up to more expensive routes to go. But that would, I guess the cheapest route I would suggest is having a discount code that you would give your readers just for that blog.
0: Mm, that's really smart. And then very smart. Cause I was thinking, you know, you just do like a trackable link, but that's even better because obviously everyone will use your, your, um, the, The coupon code to get the discount. So now how do you pay the affiliates? Like, do you, is it manual work? No, thankfully
1: it's not. Mm -hmm. I have, um, basically you can pay you, if you have them all signed up for your store, which Mm -hmm. I, my e-commerce, someone's asking which e-commerce store I use. I use Volusion right now, which I really love. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know they, I'm trying to figure out they base it on how much I think how many customers or how many visits to see or, or they actually they probably have it like a, a startup um, versus a business versus whatever. So they depending on what you need, they have different price points. So I think they could start easily for under 50 bucks a month. I'm guessing for if you start with Volusion and that's v o l u s i o n dot com. Mm, um, and true. they have a whole affiliate program. So they you, they would sign up, the affiliates would sign up for the affiliate program. And, all, and I think all but one of my affiliates prefers to get PayPal, pay through PayPal. Mm. So I'll use that mass pay option. So all I have to do is just down every once a month, I download all of my affiliates and how much I pay out to them. And then I transfer that to a TXT file and then upload it back to mass pay. And then I pay them. So it, it probably takes me about 20 minutes to
0: pay. Mm, to pay interesting. Okay. So it's not that long, but it's still not automatic, right? Right. It's not totally automatic. No. Mm,
1: yeah. And great. then it,
0: it, they all wanted to be paid
1: like one by check. And I do like one person prefers by check. So that takes a little bit. I just go to my own business checking account, bill pay and pay her. So that's, that, that's only one person. So it's not that hard.
0: Very interesting. I feel like I've been really spoiled with Gumroad because Gumroad is another selling platform, but it's not as customizable as I would say. What is it? called? Volusion. Volu- Volusion. 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 Gumroad, do they do physical products or is it? Just yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they, they do. do. Okay. Yeah, and okay. they're always they're always um, refreshing their their stuff. They're always adding new features. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But but it's definitely not set up like a shop per se mm-hmm. as as yours is set up. So that's that's very interesting. But they do pay affiliates automatically, which is pretty amazing. That's like nice. I don't even have to touch it. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Wow, this is all so interesting, Renee. I love that. Okay. <laughs> So, and I, Eden and Faith. Um, sorry, Renee. Um, Sharon from Eden and Faith Boutique asked, which? Um, okay, no, we already answered that. Oh, she's asking, are you paying for Mailchimp?
1: Yeah, because of the number of subscribers I have, I've I've built it up to about fourteen thousand subscribers. So I'm paying like one hundred and fifty dollars a month. So that's a big chunk of of that, but. The subscriber list is so important. You have to have that subscriber list. And that's thankfully we've known that from the somehow we just started that from the beginning. I shouldn't say we've known that we didn't know that, but we did realize that. Yeah, Facebook is not if it, that was where my, I mean, I have a big following on Facebook, but it doesn't do anything for me. So it's, I don't even spend much time on my Facebook business page like I had in the past because it's, it hasn't been worth it. But, um, but MailChimp, yes. And, um, I'm trying to figure out what I think with Volusion before I did Volusion, that's when I was on Squarespace. And if you really want the cheap, cheap route to go, I had Squarespace and then I had an eJunkie account because I could do the affiliates with eJunkie. So it was like, you know, I could spend probably $50 a month at the very most to run an e-commerce site. And what I love when I moved to Volusion is they do so many automated features for me. So they'll follow up with the customer, Like I can set it for two weeks after they've made a purchase to come back and leave a review. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of reviews on all of our products because of that. I wouldn't have had that. I used to manually, like if someone gave a testimonial, I would put that, you know, as a, almost like a blog page on my website to say, here's testimonials, go read them. But this is for each product. I've got so many reviews, which is great. And then I can go back and use those reviews as newsletter content or whatever, but Volusion does all that. So they track everything. They connect with my, um, I use ShipStation to ship products out. So they do updates with the tracking. I don't have, it's all hands-off. So that's why I really I really like Volusion for
0: myself. Very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing because there's a lot of handmade um, mamas here in the chat and this is all very valuable information. I'm sure they're sitting there scribbling in their notes, taking <laughs> And all this, I will be adding all this to show notes. So if you are listening um, in the car or <laughs> anywhere you might be don't driving, scribble. <laughs> don't scribble, we will have everything in the show notes. So Renee, you mentioned that your you grew your email list to 14,000 subscribers. That's a huge number. How in the world did you get there?
1: A lot of different
0: ways. Um
1: just first working with bloggers has really helped because it depends on what how I I work um a campaign with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. If it's a big gift that I'm giving, like something that's got a value of fifteen dollars, I have them go through a lead it used to be a lead page. I use I was with lead pages before. So I would use a lead page. Um mm-hmm. that's leadpages.com, I guess, or dot net. Mm-hmm. I forgot what mm-hmm. they have, but um I would create a lead page where they had to put their eat their email in, in order to get the gift. So they can always unsubscribe later, but it's kind of like, you know, you you should kind of ask a little bit, you're giving them something free, but you do Mm. want them to have a little bit of skin in the game. So a lot of it was from that. So if I gave something that was worth $15 or something uh, for free, then I would set up a lead page and have them go through that in order to get their gift. And then, um, just, a lot of it is just I, I. talk to my subscriber list a lot. I've I've really learned last year that the more emails they don't see the emails all the time, or they skip over them, and so I have that balance of trying to talk to them and give them good content. I almost I do feel like a half time blogger. I mean I'm I'm also. Shipping products, but so much of what I do now is the writing part. So we're, I'm just putting out content, usually at least two times a week. Sometimes people hear from me more than that because I do an automated uh, responder with my with Mailchimp. So I have several emails go out, but um, just a lot of communication. And then a lot, of some I, every now and then a giveaway. Like I'm doing a giveaway right now, so I'll have a giveaway up, and then one of them could be to share with a friend or whatever. And I don't really expect a whole lot out of that. I really want them to be the right type of customer. So I know people will share it with everybody in their, you know, list or whatever. And then maybe only one person's actually a good target for So I I don't really put a whole lot of rely too much on, on giveaway on, um, yeah, giveaways Mm -hmm. like that, but it does bring in customers. So, and then I just figure the more I write, the ones who are not interested will drop off. And that will keep my Mailchimp my how much I have to pay MailChimp every month can kind of get lowered a little bit. If I have too many people, then I've got to pay more. But I kind of justify how much I'm um, talking to them as if they are not interested, they'll drop off. So and, and mm. I have to be okay with that, not like worry, oh my goodness, you know, somebody unsubscribed. So it's not mm. it's not that big deal.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting. Um it's incredible what what you've been sharing with us. So much golden nuggets. So l- I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit more about the email marketing. Okay. So, so you have how how what do you mean when you say I have conversations with my list? How do you trigger them to reply to you? Because so many uh, so many people already know it's a list going to thousands of people, but how do you get them specifically to reply?
1: Well, one, one is if, if I have in my head who I'm talking to, like I picture mm-hmm. like a real life friend or something that yeah. I'm picturing, okay, I know this person is probably struggling with this. And sometimes it's just like someone who's emailed me and shared their story with mm. me. All of a sudden I've got a story that I can pull from that. And, and send it to my list, like at Christmas time. I also, part of what I do on my store site is teach. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of teaching people how to make the products that I sell. And I, you know, people say, why would you do that? They're gonna just go buy the ingredients somewhere else and make it and they're not gonna buy anything from you. But, they're, but I do and I know that happens too. It's not a big deal because I get so much content from people that way. They'll come back and say, hey, I made this and they'll send me pictures of what they made as Christmas presents, you know, shaped lotion bars. And how they wrapped it. And I'm like, oh, that was a brilliant way to wrap the lotion bar. And sometimes I'll say, can I use your picture for a newsletter? They always say yes. You know, they don't always want their name associated with it, but they'll always say yes. So whenever I get information from my people that they email and tell me what they're doing, I'll, I'll turn that into a newsletter or just an email that I send out. And then I realized, okay, that makes an awesome blog post. That's what I'm trying to do. It's one of those time things for me is to put that it's already. It's already a perfect email. I need to put that on into a blog post. And when I say email, I mean, I'm emailing my entire list or a target of my entire list. So these, when I say I'm emailing out, yeah, this is going out to my whole subscriber list. Um, so a lot of content comes from the customers or the people who are writing to me. And it's just... I just try to make it like, what would I want to read? You know, and I I edit these things to death sometimes. Like I'll send a test to myself and realize, no, I'm not making sense. I always ask my husband to check it. Tell me Mm -hmm. if you understand what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll just put it out too quickly and my mind is too jumbled because I'm trying to like, oh my goodness, it's 5 p.m. Pacific. That means it's like 8 o'clock on the East Coast. It's too late today to, to send it out. You know, it's that that time element. So I have to really focus and decide, okay, if this email is not ready to go out, I can put it off till tomorrow and tomorrow I'll be fresh again and I can read it and think, Oh, I can make improvements here, here, and here. So I'm not, I don't just, I try not to send out
0: junk, I guess is what I'm saying by going, by mm. rushing through it. Are you consistent with the days that you send out stuff? I wish I was. No. <laughs> and I, people yeah. don't mind. I mean, do, do
1: your subscribers mind? I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I think every now and then someone will say, Hey, Um, can you like, can you organize when you're going to have a special deal go? So I know not to buy until then. And honestly, that is just, sometimes it depends on if I made too much product and I just want to put a sale. And sometimes it depends on, oh, like, like, for example, we make also a a bug block. And so now people are saying, when is your bug block going to be back in stock? Usually I don't do that till March. And I'm deciding. You know what? I've had like five emails in the last week. Ask people asking me when is your bug block. So then I would all of a sudden decide let's just make it and sell it now because people are asking. So it's <laughs> I'm not consistent. I do though write. I try to write a list of all the different topics so that I know this is available. If I'm having some writer's block, I'm trying to do one thing and it's not working out, I can go to my list. I'm like oh yeah, I was going to write about that. I forgot about that, and I can do that.
0: I love that. I love writing based on how mm. you're feeling because, you know, yeah, the, so uh, sure. same thing with me. Like I have all these things that I want to write about, but then like, okay, go down the list and like, okay, what do I feel like writing about? So that's yeah. really helpful. So, um, Sharon totally read my mind and posted a question in the chat. Does anyone have an idea of what time is the best time Mm. to send out emails like that? I understand things like that vary uh, from industry to industry, but I just want to hear what you have to say, Renee, based on what you've experienced. Okay, for my niche, which mine is is probably going to be a lot of the
1: people listening. So my, because I've advertised, I've always advertised mostly with mom bloggers who have kids in the house. That's like my perfect, mm. you know, so there's, I do have, I've have plenty of, um, you know, moms who work outside the home too. I'm just thinking, okay, who's home. And, because of that, I'm noticing Saturdays and Sundays, I don't usually get too much. Well, I personally, actually, I should say, I just don't do Sunday. I just keep that day as a total day off. So I don't even I don't even schedule a post to go out on a Sunday. I keep that off. So Sunday might be a beautiful day to do it, but I just, you know, for our family and it's church day for us, so I totally don't yeah. do anything going on on Sundays. But um, Saturday seems to be a hard one to reach people. And I want to say that Mondays are also kind of hard. So Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, and Thursday seem to be better. Friday, people are like not home. <laughs> I feel like people are at least they're on in their own world. If I'm trying to do something by Friday night, I'm better off Saturday morning than Friday night. That's just the sense that I'm getting. Now, MailChimp does have something, and maybe I know you, you're using ConvertKit, right? Vicky? I think you've got ConvertKit.
0: Yes, I have ConvertKit. I don't know if ConvertKit does
1: Oh, yeah. I know you love it. Um, I know MailChimp does. They will look at all of your past um, your past emails and then decide based on that when the best time to post is. So that's really nice. That's I haven't used it, though. I have to say that I know
0: it's there. I haven't really used it. Okay. So, okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I used to be with MailChimp and I switched to ConvertKit, but I remember it's kind of like whenever you think the best time is kind of like with Hootsuite auto schedule, you schedule, just post it whenever you feel like it's a good time. You know, it's a great, but I, it's a great option. But I also think it's really awesome that you shared with us your little, um, observations from, yeah. from your list. Not at all tested or anything. That's just what seems to be, yeah. Very interesting. So, um, Bear Paw Creek <laughs> just joined us. Welcome, and yes, Renee does make her own products, and you can also re- uh, watch the replay in in just a, a little bit when we're done recording. Um, Mike says, "Great show! You are covering mm-hmm. so much ground." And Mike is a dad in the house, so oh, welcome, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good to have you, and I'm so happy that you're getting value out of this. Renee is an incredible woman and mm-hmm. she is so full of kindness and love. I know it's kind of, uh, you know, woo-woo stuff, but <laughs> but really, and I love that you're just sharing everything, just spilling the beans, everything. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that, Renee. So we're getting close to our time here, and I wish I could just sit here and talk to you forever. But I do want to touch upon um, how you manage family life and wow. your homeschooling your children, and how do you manage everything with, between business and being a wife? Please share it with us. Well, you know,
1: I think... I would say that you know we've been in business since 2009 and mm-hmm. yes we would probably be so much further even in what we do if we had given up on certain things that were important for us and not you know and and basically sacrificed more family in order to grow our business we would totally have been further than we are now but we have I yeah. feel like you know what we have our kids are so stable and they are so involved and they have learned so much from our business that by keeping them at home, keeping them focused on uh, what we're doing has really, really we ha- has paid off in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have we have always taken the needs of our kids and our whole family life. Um, we've just put that first because we have to keep that grounded. You know, if we decided, well, you know, it's always been important to our family to homeschool. So, mm-hmm. but we could have gotten 10 times more done if they weren't at home, obviously, you know, just distractions and stuff like that. And we could have outsourced <laughs> the, the kid education part of it. Mm. For us, though that was so much more important. So my, that's kind of where my husband comes in and, because he took over more of the homeschooling and I, we tried so hard when he first got laid off. It was really, really hard. We tried how who this guy who has been a big important asset for a company like HP is now a stay at home dad. That is, that's kind of humiliating for a dad to have to have a position and then now he's doing this. And so we tried to work so many different ways. Now he could take over chatting with the bloggers. He could take over this. He could take over that. And I said, you know what is best because our kids were getting older is if you can get the homeschooling down. He saw so many holes in the way I was doing the homeschooling. (laughs) He filled and he has taken off where he is actually, he started his own business with that in coaching people on how to homeschool in a talent-based approach. So each of our kids is extremely good at different things and it's really helped us out and they and a couple our older kids have already started their own businesses so because we had to do this real switch in the way we were running our family it has benefited us way more than we've ever expected and so he's got you know we we just graduated our oldest from high school last year and so he's got our oldest is obviously still living at home but he's got his own business that he's running he was a huge part of running our business For a long time and then we realized as much as i didn't want him to have to go you know kind of like leave our business he and he's still part of it of course he takes he does a lot of errands for us but he had to take off in his business and so i thought okay it's time to train the next one in line so we've had a lot of training going on and the kids are they are doing an awesome awesome job not all of them are involved but just the older ones who are are helping out and, um, and then they have their own things that they're really good at. So they do that with their own talents and they're taking off with it. So it's, it's just in so many ways running a family business has really, really helped us.
0: Wow. That's so amazing. So of course I pretty much almost knew everything that you just shared. But every time you you say that it inspires me so much. And I'm always so intrigued the way you are able to literally juggle everything. It's incredible. And your kids are so well behaved and they're so sweet. And it was so nice. For those of you who don't know, uh, my husband and I um, drove down to um, Cottonwood, California to visit Renee and her sweet family. And that was such, such a great treat because meeting you guys or your husband and your kids was, was awesome. So um, you really are walking the talk. And I couldn't just be more happier to have you on, Renee. No, thanks. Well, it's not always perfect, but, you know, that's where we're here. That's the best thing about
1: being here to to fix things that are broken. You know, we're just constantly fixing things. So, um Yeah, and and you asked about juggling. It is it is a juggle. In fact, we always we kind of gather as a family by eight a.m. So everybody's got to get their chores done. They got to have breakfast done. Everything's like done by eight a.m. And we're Mm -hmm. flexible. I mean, if the kids had a late night or an exciting day the day before, if we push it to nine, it's we are so flexible with that. But idea in the ideal world, everybody's down there by eight, and then we do some Bible time, and then. At the end of that, it's like, okay, mom, what do you need to have done? And then I've kind of like go through my, okay, I need you to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, you know, so, so this was obviously a different day because being on the phone with you, like you guys have got to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So the older kids are downstairs doing their, their work, but the, um, my husband took the older ones out and it, and it works out great because we are flexible. We have that flexibility and, and we don't have a lot scheduled on in our days. And, um, yeah, it works out really nicely.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing Renee. And thank you so much for coming on. That was fun. It's always fun talking to you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and ask that you join us live next time every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern and join us for more lively conversations just like this. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is a show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll catch you next time.